Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. So a while back on our Instagram page, we put something that said controversial opinion. PPIs are the worst thing to happen to gut health since stress. And that provoked a lot of conversation of people asking what to do about it. So that's what this episode is for. So let's give some background first. It's estimated that 15 million Americans use PPIs or proton pump inhibitors. Some names you might be familiar with would be Nexium, Prilosec, and Prevacid. Proton pump inhibitors, or PPIs, are members of a class of medications whose main action is the profound and prolonged reduction of stomach acid production. Now, this makes sense if you have an ulcer and you need to heal in the short term. An ulcer is usually pretty painful, and I've had some negative experiences with this where a client has been pretty sure they've had the onset of an ulcer where they just feel literally horrendous, like everything they eat causes nausea, and they wait a month to get in for an endoscopy and it doesn't find anything. But meanwhile, if we're doing some soothing approaches, they have felt better meanwhile. So it's been a little bit challenging, but an ulcer can also feel like heartburn, indigestion, nausea, and overall, indigestion, nausea can be also paired with vomiting, gas, etc. So ulcers can be caused by stomach acid damaging the lining of the digestive tract. This often stems from bacteria like H. pylori or regular use of anti-inflammatory pain relievers like aspirin, ibuprofen, etc. As you can imagine, these symptoms overlap with a lot of other conditions as well, just to put that out there. PPIs are often prescribed for any or all of these symptoms regardless of the root cause. That means relapse is likely if the root cause is not addressed. Now, common complaints that go in tandem with PPIs are heartburn and bloating. I remember my mother being prescribed PPIs indefinitely after her autoimmune diagnosis last year because the medication she needed to be on for her autoimmune condition was hard on her stomach, quote unquote. This is also really common in pediatrics as well, using PPI as a protective agent, which is nice, but there's often no offboarding process for coming off the PPI or much discussion on the side effects or risks of taking the PPI, which is always important. So why is this bothersome overall? Well, good digestion begins with good stomach acid, which is being suppressed by the PPIs. Hydrochloric acid or stomach acid is responsible for breaking down your food along with 
ensuring an acidic environment in the stomach to protect your body against bad microbes or microbial overgrowth. It's a gate to the rest of your intestines. So I give this really stupid example on introductory calls all the time, that this is why a college boy can eat pizza that was left out all night long and he didn't put in the fridge, which we know could create some foodborne microbes. And he can eat it the next day and be fine. That's what stomach acid is for. It's there to bathe things so those bacteria are not inhabiting the rest of your gut. So it's the very first step to having long-term gut issues. If you have chronically low stomach acid, it opens you up to that world of gut imbalances and pathogens that cause food digestion issues that can later create food sensitivities and maybe a feeling of heaviness or bloating when eating certain foods because they're not being properly digested. Properly digesting proteins is huge. That means you're getting the building blocks of proteins, which are amino acids. These are amino acids are the backbone to neurotransmitters. Neurotransmitters affect your feelings and your mood. So if you're happy and relaxed, are you able to handle minor stressors or depressed and anxious or always awaiting the next curveball? There's that gut brain connection, but also the amino acids help make those neurotransmitters. And these feelings are all affected by your ability to digest protein properly, as well as supporting elimination. As a side note, I've had discussions with vegans and vegetarian friends and clients that have said they felt better. They started eating that way because they felt better not eating protein because eating protein felt heavy or like it was sitting in their stomach, which is of course a sign of poor protein digestion, which really has to be addressed at the root. So that way you can digest and absorb all nutrients. So again, properly digesting proteins means you can absorb vital nutrients, especially B12. Low B12 can cause havoc and make you feel like you have no energy. It can contribute to constipation, depression, poor memory, and a really red flag for low B12 is having tingling of the extremities. By taking medications like omeprazole or Prilosec, isomeprazole or Nexium, Lansoprazole, I cannot say that, Prevacid, you might notice some initial relief in GI symptoms like the peptic ulcers or the GERD or the Barrett's esophagus, but we're not really truly addressing the root cause of why we're experiencing these symptoms in the first place. I really think PPIs are a true band-aid for the majority of people on them. And I see this problem all day, every day in practice. The root causes of these symptoms can be very, very negative with several virulence factors of H. pylori, for example, being tied to different cancers, gastric and esophageal cancer. So this is why I feel really strongly about this and why we're having this discussion today. Now, here's the other unfortunate, annoying part. I feel like there's a gap in testing and diagnosis. It seems that the infection is very severe before it's caught on our conventional testing. I'll never forget the dialysis patient I had so many years ago that had severe H. pylori symptoms of poor appetite, nausea, and sometimes vomiting, and he would test positive for it and then get some serious rounds of antibiotics, and then he would sometimes test negative, but his symptoms didn't resolve long-term. And that's because you can't just throw grenades in the GI tract and expect it to resolve itself. Usually things come back because you haven't created a rebalanced system and there's often some other things going on as well. Here's the thing. The FDA also added a warning years ago to PPI labels about extended use and risk of fractures. In 2017 and 2018, there was a study from Hong Kong and another one from Sweden that found an increased risk of gastric cancer from long-term PPIs, but then other studies confounded their findings. So 
they disagreed. Different studies disagreed about this. And I would wonder if that's because the pathogens that could have been underlying the PPI use do cause gastric and esophageal cancer. And that might be where the results differed in studies. I'm not sure. Additionally, study after study raises concerns surrounding risk of C. diff, which is a usually an antibiotic-caused GI infection where there's a lot of diarrhea, myocardial infarction or heart attack, and low magnesium levels, which are associated with PPI usage, especially over extended amounts of time. By the way, magnesium is essential for over 3,000 enzyme reactions in the body and is dumped with stress. It's important for helping calm the nervous system, making stomach acid, helping with sleep. PPIs, like steroids, should not be used long term. So how do you get off PPIs? Well, I'm not anyone's doctor here, so technically you need to have that discussion with your provider. But I can tell you that I see most of my clients titrate off PPIs when they address the root cause of their heartburn or indigestion. Root causes of GERD, heartburn, and indigestion can fit into my three-pronged triangle where you look at everything through the lens of structural or physical issues on one corner, nutritional issues on another corner, and emotional stuff on the other corner. From a physical standpoint, mechanically chewing your food thoroughly helps start the digestive juices flowing and primes the process. Other common recommendations, especially for GERD, are sitting up after eating to prevent the exacerbation and feeling of heartburn. For some people, if they're carrying excess abdominal adiposity, weight loss is a really common recommendation because it's adding pressure to that region. But that's the physical one, the physical corner. So what if you do all that and the GERD or the indigestion, the heartburn, or even the burping, which is the first sign of this domino effect, still persist. Well, there's the next corner, the nutritional standpoint. GERD could be caused by food sensitivities, gut imbalances, and pathogens like H. pylori, which according to the CDC is estimated to affect up to 35 to 40% of Americans and 50% of the population worldwide, affecting over 4 billion people. This sounds like a really challenging topic. And as I mentioned before, my bias is that it's not getting caught on testing as much as it is present and causing issues. All right. The third corner on that triangle is our emotional state. So that's really crucial to our physical well-being. Stress, 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 our perceived stress, our real stress, our just all the things play a role in causing low stomach acid because stress dumps magnesium, which as mentioned before, is used in over 3000 enzyme reactions in the body. And this imbalance is such an important mineral, which can have a big effect on sleep, bowel movements, mood, and even concentration. So while there's multiple ways we can increase stomach acid production, everyone's really different and presents a different case. In fact, it's really contraindicated to try to increase stomach acid if there are underlying pathogens. You're supposed to do things in a certain order. And by the time you're experiencing peptic ulcers, GERD, Barrett's esophagus, you would maybe do more harm than good from taking generalized advice and not following a really quality step-by-step protocol for healing. So I wish that I had all the answers in this podcast. I'm just telling you it's not exactly that simple to give one recommendation for everyone. I'm really, really serious about it in this context. So 100% recommend working with an experienced GI functional health practitioner that can help you correct imbalances and soothe esophageal and gut lining. Two, get off your PPIs and three, start feeling like yourself again, because the downstream effects is a mess of gut and nutrient deficiencies that rob you of your deserved energy. In our private practice, we help with gut, skin, and energy issues by taking our clients through a root cause approach and process that addresses all of these potential causes of heartburn, GERD, and indigestion. And we help our clients 
try to get off medications if that is their goal with their provider's approval. So you can check out our resources, including a new gut guide on how to heal your gut or book a call at kristabigler.com forward slash links. Oh, if you're not sure about some of our numbers, just scroll down. They're in the show notes, the links to all of the studies and numbers that we cited today. And again, if you need a little bit of help correcting this, you can go to kristabigler.com forward slash links or just kristabigler.com. And hopefully we talk to you soon. Sharing and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help us succeed with our mission to help integrate the best of East and West and empower you to raise the bar on your health story. Just go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. That's reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. And you'll be taken directly to a page where you can insert your review and hit post.